Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Studio 6B on a Monday, getting a week started. Glad you're in. Lots to do. Real America's Voice on a Monday. The boys are all in town. Slick Rick's got sports. Paul Nolan has been set free. Praise God. <laughs> Thank God. Set free? What are you talking about? Stuck and, Nobody let me leave. And Rick Delgado's here as well. Uh, Paul Nolan, how are you? Well, I'm good, and I want to, you know, just, I want to make it clear that you know, I've learned quite a bit about myself ready. in this time. Get the bleep off, button and, ready. Uh, <laughs> I've got myself. I just figured I would uh, a, a little swear job. Oh, good. Way, like, <laughs> okay, but good. you know, if you play Crazy Town and Pelosi's in it, well, I got myself a swear <laughs> jug. <laughs> okay, very good. Well, yeah. are you accepting donations on um, <laughs> PayPal or what? <laughs> No, I've been canceled yeah. from PayPal, but uh, yeah, it was nice. It was nice. Paul, free Paul Nolan was trending, and uh, the uh, audience had a, had a, did have a, a little uh, GoFundMe, not GoFundMe, uh, give send go, and uh, we raised three dollars and seventeen cents. Wow! And, oh, very uh, I'm, good. Very, I'm very nice. Thankful. Very nice. You got a good, slice good, of that. Good, good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Slice of what? <laughs> New York. Yeah, right. <laughs> An orange slice, maybe. Uh, yeah, Slick right. Rick, how are you? I'm good, Big D. How are we doing tonight? Very good. You had, a, uh, I guess, another decent weekend, unfortunately. Is that what I hear? Yes, sir. Picked up another five Gs. So, boy, that payout's going to be big come the end of this year. Ooh, <laughs> look good. at that, Big D. <laughs> aye, aye, aye. I'm rolling. Well, still, well, you're down from where you started, though. I think I was at 47. So, 32.5 feels pretty good. You're so. starting to sound like Biden here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the inflation. What's, what's <laughs> what are we doing tonight? We betting tonight? <laughs> We're betting tonight. Yes, absolutely. I'm taking yeah, New well, England, we'll betting the house. Oh, we already Everything? know. Okay, we're not even... We're not even waiting. You're betting everything? No, everything? I'm not betting everything. You said the house. Oh, come on. Make Take, it interesting. No, no, we're not doing oh. that. It's not that special. New England and Chicago, that game's about as exciting as a you know, school lunch. No, come on. We're, not, we're, not, we're, we're, we're rolling with uh, New England at home tonight, Gillette Stadium, Big D. I'm taking them. And you know what? I'll put that five back on the line that I won over the weekend. So you got a chance to be All back right. where we were as Friday. All right, very good. Uh, New England minus eight and a half over Correct. Chicago tonight. That's Slick Rick's pick. Uh, Paul Nolan's going to have the news. Rick Delgado, how are you? How was your weekend? I am good. My weekend was okay. How was yours, though? You're the one that uh, went under the knife yet again on Saturday, correct? And I guess everything well, I looks up, better. I went up against the laser is basically the way to say it, because you're sitting up and the laser comes into you. But um, it, it was good. It was it was a tough procedure. I'll tell you, it was much tougher than the first one. Uh, number one, because it was a little bit longer, and it was just... Um, Man, I felt like I went about 10 minutes with Tyson without a uh, without headgear on, honestly, uh, when I was all said and done. Saturday and Sunday was rough. And I guess the bottom line is my eyes looking good. Um, 
it's doing what it's supposed to be doing, but I didn't get, obviously, as the fact that I'm not at the studio, I didn't get it all clear yet. I'm still, right. still have to position myself certain ways, still have to sleep certain ways. So I don't have the all clear, go do what you want, which I was kind of hoping to get, obviously. But going back in two more weeks, he'll examine it, see if we have to do another laser or not. Very possible that I may not have to. Uh, just let it heal. I still have the gas bubble, so my vision is still a little um, weird in my right eye. Um, but overall, everything with the eye looks good. The lasers are working. You know, he said these lasers are kind of like weld. It's almost like think of it as a welding machine, like welding two things together. So, um, but it was Saturday was it was it was beaten on me. It was tough. It was about 15 minutes. It seemed like 15 hours sitting there. You know, they have somebody behind you that's pressing your head in because you can't, you know, you're you're obviously you, you want to pull away, but they just did, won't let did you. Did they go. have like uh, supports that like pressed on each side that a thing across your head was like absolutely locked in? Because when I did my Lasix, boy, that is a weird feeling. And you, and you, and you smell the laser cooking your eyeball. It's it's freaky, man. It's a freaky. It's just freaky. And you can yeah, just smell a burning skin. Yeah, nothing from the side, but the head, you know, the chin rest and the head bar. And then you have a, another physician behind you holding your head in because it, obviously the light is so bright and it like flickers and it just pounds. It's like boom, boom, boom. It just pounds you for it was tough, but uh, I'm happy that the eye is making improvements. And that's obviously the bottom line. So um, that's where we're at. And I want to thank everybody, obviously, from the audience who wrote in, asked, and I got lots of emails and questions again, hoping that everything went well. So thank you very much for that. So, so that's where we're at, and uh, we'll work through it. And um, you know, hopefully by the beginning of December, I'm I'm kind of on the other side of this. So that's kind of my hope right now. So, all right, lots to do tonight. I want to get into some election talk. Um, obviously, as we're getting closer to November eighth, and I was I was thinking today about this choice that we have in this in this election coming up, and this choice between liberty and tyranny, and thinking about what's on the line and in all of these cities is you're starting to see articles about how even races that were lean Democrat now are, are, are either toss up or possibly lean Republican. And I was thinking about people in these cities thinking about the difference between law and order and the crime we're seeing in all these Democrat cities and thinking about what we're seeing from this administration as far as redistribution versus capitalism, liberty versus tyranny. And the Democrats' constant attack on not only liberty and individualism and individual rights, but their attack on capitalism through, through taxes, through redistribution of wealth. You know, Milton Friedman said, whenever you have capitalism, you have freedom. Capitalism being a necessary element of freedom. And, and when you start thinking about this election, that is really all on the line. An attack on capitalism is an attack on your freedoms. And that's what we're seeing from this, from this president, from this administration. Um, so I was just thinking about it today, and it's just the more and more you see about how some of these races are now leaning, either toss up, and I'm talking about races in blue, blue New York. I'm talking about Sean Maloney's race. I'm talking about races in places around this country that were, you thought, solid blue. And I, I think. More than ever, the American people are getting are getting not only fed up, but even some people who may not be fed up are getting a little scared of this growing centralized police state that we're we're living under. 
So, I mean, as November 8th comes, I just think that those are the things we all need to be thinking about. Do we still do we want to live in a country where we're spreading poverty and despair through redistribution of wealth and dehumanizing of the individual that we've seen from this administration, from this Department of Justice? Or do we want to return to in the individual? So, I mean, that's, that's kind of what I was thinking a lot about today as I was reading up about some of these, um, some of these races. Paul Nolan, what do you think about that? You know, that's what I've been talking about for a very long time. You know, I, it's the, one of the few reasons why I keep a fake book is for the memories. And I kind of share posts from 2008 and 7 and 9, you know, from back then talking then about the centralization of power. All of these lifelong politicians who were all part of the, you know, used to be, you know, the partnership or the project for the new American century and the PNAC uh, mafia, I used to call it, which is all the neocons and you know, it's the guys like the Bushes and the Wolfowitz and the Rumsfelds. And, you know, they were always driving their uh, vision of globalism. And it's happening from, you know, Europe as well, UK. Like we see right now, this guy, Rishi uh, Sunak, one of the richest men in, in the UK. He's a big player of the World Economic Forum. And here he is in such an incredible position of power. And I love a little story about him. But don't you think it's incredibly convenient that he is an Indian or Asian? And if you say one bad thing about his policy, which will be tyrannical, which will include CBDCs, well, the, the centralization of power through currency, which is already centralized power and communistic and money system that we've talked about. But now with digital CBDCs, we'll have what we see in China with surveillance state, with control of capitals, your, your money, when you can spend it, how you can spend it. If you behave properly, you can still have it. Um, it all these things are part of a plan. And it's it's a part of a plan for everywhere. And the, the there's never enough power for these power elites. So um, a police state is in China. It's starting happening in Australia. You're seeing it, the talk of CBDCs now in the UK. And once the centralized powers have control of centralized digital currency, they'll have control of every single commodity, including the human, the greatest source, the greatest commodity there is, and that's human livestock. Uh, so once the human livestock is owned through your digital currency, you know, it, it, it it's it's got to be I, this guy. I don't want to talk about anything too crazy, but <laughs> something will happen. Really? First night back. <laughs> Come on. Something will happen. Some, something will have to give that will that will force revolution of some sort. You yeah. know, because the truth is they're not going to stop till they have full control of all currency and everything you keep and earn. They want it. Well, and I think that's what I mean, yeah. and and that's what I'm saying. I think I think this November eighth is. Um, I hope that most people go into that voting booth and talk to your friends and neighbors and 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 you know the usurpation of our constitutional system is is um hopefully people have had enough of it uh rick delgado your thoughts yeah if you're going to talk to your friends and neighbors do not talk to them about uh, <laughs> uh centralized uh money that paul was just talking about they're not going to understand it they're going to think you're crazy keep it simple keep it simple you know, the, the kitchen table arguments, the, the, the policies, uh, you know, how you feed your family, how you take care of things, you know, uh, the inflation problem, the crime problem. That's what's going to get people to move because that's what that's what uh, affects them right away. And, and, you know, jumping back to what Paul was saying, you know, that plan, uh, you know, you're talking about, Paul, that was set in motion. And, and Klaus Schwab wrote about it in The Great Reset. And it's, yeah. and, and it's not something you had to read between the lines 
He wrote it. He's like, there is an opportunity here with COVID-19 to establish what they want. And they started doing it with, with uh, with the vaccine passport. That was the first step. Because if they can get that, like you said, if they can get the human body, if they can give you, get you to succumb and give up, well, now they own your body. Now that means, okay, what's next? We've talked about the other stuff that's connected to it. You know, the, the, the personalized credit scores, um, how they're going to keep track of you, um, you know, the little implants that they want to they implant in people. Oh, under the guise of it's going to make your life easier. You won't have to worry about it. Things will be safe. You know, oh, we're going to, nobody can steal your money because we'll have control over it. And don't worry, nothing, nothing bad's going to happen. Of course not. Sure. Yeah. And then, of course, what happens is they put limits on what you can spend. Oh, you know what? We don't like you spending money on guns or anything related to, uh, to conservative causes. Guess what? That's a strike. All of a sudden, you can't travel. You can't work. You can't buy food. The, the guy who's in the business of selling guns, he's blocked out of the economy. Why? Because the, his method of, of, of you know, business is selling, say, say, a weapon. And now he can't make money. So now his, he can't pay his mortgage, he can't pay his bills, he can't pay anything. He's going to starve and freeze and die. But that's, that's their plan. That's, that's the overall plan. I'm just saying, if, you, if you're going to talk to somebody about this November, don't go that far just yet. Wait a little bit for that one. <laughs> well, it's actually um, kind of it's a good lead into something I want to get to when we get back at the bottom of that hour after we do sports and news, and that is the one question one simple question that Republicans can talk about with their friends and one re- they can ask uh, to assure victory, or you would think, in the midterms. And that is a, a lesson that we learned from one president back in 1980 uh, going into that year who asked that simple question as well. And I'll remind you of what he said when we get back. Live from Studio 6B on a Monday. Glad you're in. Lots to do. Philip Patrick from Birch Gold's going to join us. Lots to get to. Crazy Town, all coming up. from Studio 6B on a Monday night. Real America's Voice. Just getting a week started. Glad you're in. Paul Nolan's going to do some news. Slick Rick's got sports. Rick Delgado's here as well. Lots to get to. Crazy town coming up. Got a whole bunch of, um, well, Biden was out and about. Man, he said some things this weekend again. Just <laughs> holy moly. Holy cow. I mean, he is just, man, off the reservation. So far off the reservation, it's just scary. Uh, our friend Philip Patrick's going to join us at the bottom of the hour. We'll talk a little uh, inflation. We'll talk a little gold. We'll talk about where we are in this economy. Um, and we got some other things to get to. Like I said, I'll remind you of one question, one simple question Republicans can ask for victory in November. Uh, Brian Jundef wrote about this in American Thinker today. We'll get to that, and we'll get to the video that goes with it. And I think it really resonates, even though it was, uh, I guess this was 1980, 1979, 1980. But man, if it's not appropriate for today, I'll tell you, I don't know what is. Um, So we'll get to all that. Lots to do. Glad you're in. Hey, let me just say, if you haven't subscribed to the Live from Studio 6B podcast yet, 
I encourage you to do it. It's a great way to take the show with you. Uh, you can do it on iTunes. I posted it on all of our social media. It's pinned at the top of our Twitter, at the top of our Getter. It's a simple, all you got to do is subscribe to it once and you'll get all our episodes downloaded. So if you're ever in the car or on the go, it's a great way to support the show, number one. As we've grown the podcast numbers now over the last couple of years, we're finally getting to a part where we can get really good distribution on it now. So I encourage you to subscribe to the podcast through, uh, like I said, iTunes or Google Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify, wherever you listen to your music. Search for Live from Studio 6B and subscribe so you get each and every episode audio only, of course. But uh, still, it's a great way to keep us with you if you want to listen in the car and take us with you. So, all right, let's do some sports. And here with that is the man who continues to win week after week. He's got the New England Patriots tonight, minus eight and a half. Uh, and that is, of course, Slick Rick. What's going on, Slickster? That game just kicked off, and Chicago has the ball in the New England 17, so we're getting started already. <laughs> anyway, let's go. World Series. Uh, we got to talk about that, Big ah. D. Astros swept the Yankees <laughs> to reach the fourth Speaking World of- Series in six years. I hate to do it, guys. Ah. Busy sports weekend, but I got to start with the Bronx and ah. the Bronx cheer that they deserve. Getting swept Who for nothing. It? Right? Who called it? You did. You called it, Big D, the voodoo that they do well, so well. You called it after two games. I mean, you didn't call it at the, at the start of the series. Oh, well, only when they were coming home to Yankee Stadium, well, all you guys were like, oh, yeah, we got the pitching matchup in the next two. Don't you worry. Sweep Ola, pal. Sweep Ola. Well, let me get into it, Big D. June Lee of ESPN reporting New York. The Houston Astros made going to the World Series look, well, easy. This is October, after all, the time of year when it's easy to pencil in the Astros for making a deep postseason run. And 2022 marked their sixth straight trip to the American League Championship series and somehow this year Astros team made things look even easier steamrolling through the regular season to the tune of an American League best 106 wins and sweeping all three games against the Seattle Mariners in the ALDS and all four games against the Yankees in the ALCS these boys have yet to lose the Astros won game four of the ALCS I watched that game last night painful how the Yankees were up at one point well I believe it was uh, was a five to four and then they had that double play easy flip that was the error and you know what hate to say it game over and the Yankees still had three innings to score runs couldn't get anything and then of course the great Aaron Judge with that last out really kind of just tied the whole season in for the Yankees as they are concerned about losing him to free agency I think Paul Nolan's Mets were on the line this morning trying to get a call with Aaron Judge so we don't we don't know what's gonna happen there but uh no way no way too much moolah huh He's yeah, too old. He's old. He's, he's old and uh, the, you think he, they want to create a war in the city? Cohen's smarter than that. The last thing he wants to do is pick a fight with uh, with the Yankees. I don't know. That that guy sells a lot of merch with that 99 jersey. And rookie shortstop Jeremy Pena of the Astros was named MVP of the ALCS. And let's not forget our friends down in Philly. I got a few folks in the Getter Chat that were giving me the business because I don't give Philly enough love. I'm not a big Phillies fan, but that doesn't mean I shouldn't report on them. So Bryce Harper's homer powers the Phillies past the Padres in the NLCS. This is David Schoenfield, ESPN senior writer. Uh, Philadelphia, welcome to the World of Series. Bryce Harper, the superstar the Philadelphia Phillies brought in years ago to turn around a team stuck in mediocrity, delivered one of the biggest home runs in the franchise history Sunday. Harper's two-run rocket shot of a home run to left field in the bottom of the eighth inning gave the Phillies a 4-3 victory over the San Diego Padres in Game 5 of the National League Championship Series. I mean, they made quick work of that series too, big day. Four games to one. 
wasn't much of a series at all. I thought San Diego, they took that, what did they took that, I think, game one. And I thought, oh, it's going to be a good series. San Diego looks good. And not to be. Harper, of course, was named NLCS MVP after hitting 400 with two home runs and five ribbies. Game one of the World Series. We got a little bit of a wait here. It's going to be Friday, 8.03. I don't know it's 8.03. First pitch, Minute Maid uh, Stadium. And Astros will be looking to put the squeeze on the Phillies. Should be a great series. I think it's going to go six or seven games. I really do. And uh, that's a wrap in sports. Big D, I want to get into a little MMA. Of course, I got NCAA and NFL recaps of everyone's teams. We'll give quick scores. And that's a wrap. Big D, back to you. Do you know at this point, Mattress Mac has oh. about the exposure on Mattress Mac for the Houston Astros winning the World Series I read today is upwards of $75 million. Oh, Holy mega millions. $75 million to him if the Astros win the World Series. So you know who he'll be pulling for. Wow. Talk about mind over mattress. Whew. Wow. Well, he did. The, he does these promotions at his store where if you, you buy over $3,000 and then the Astros win the World Series, you get, you get your, your purchase price back. Plus double. So if you bought three thousand, you oh. get six thousand in 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 store credit, or, or I think it's store credit. So it's just it's crazy what he's wow. done. It's like it's Talk just about hedging your bets, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So all right, I think so he's using the same guy Rick is using to get his scores. You know what I mean? That's <laughs> yeah. right. If he loses, yeah, he made his own so. bed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not sleeping it. All right, uh, let's do some news and hear what the news is. Paul Nolan, uh, sports. By the way, was brought to you by our friend Mike Lindell. Of course, visit MyPillow.com slash LFS6B. LFS6B, our code, will get you 10 to 50, 60% off all the great stuff that Lindell has at the site. Uh, MyPillow.com slash LFS6B. Let's do some news and hear what that is, Mr. Paul Nolan. Mr. Nolan, welcome back. Good to see you. What's going on in the news? Well, I just want to start right away with, uh, by the way, it's good to be back. And I want to thank the Getter audience for being so nice. Really appreciate it. Um, Michigan uh, GOP gubernatorial nominee, our friend of the show and friend of individualism and humanity is now tied with um, Gretchen uh, Eva Perone Whitner uh, less than three weeks before the election, according to a new poll. The Michigan news source and Travalga poll Released Sunday shows Dixon with a 47.9% of the vote compared to the 48.4 for Whitmer in response to the survey question of who would you vote for if the race was held today. Real Clear Politics polls um, also show that it includes that uh, in the Michigan News, also the source that shows that uh, Whitmer is only with a two point. Uh, Six lead, and the site also shows Whitner had a 17-point advantage um, late in August, which again was I, we, I think we all thought that was a little suspect. But this poll was conducted from uh, October 18th to the 21st, over uh, almost 1,100 people are involved in this poll. So, and this is really incredible when you think about it. How much money Whitner has been funded from really awful people, just disgusting people, and how. All girl two to Dixon is just fighting the good fight, and she's just uh, man, she's she's incredible. Uh, please, man, if you're out, if your audience is out there, please spread the word and you know just yeah, it's race. It's, it's, those are the those are the kind of races I was talking about in the opening segment. Like Tudor Dixon, they had some polls had her down 15, 18 points, not even a month ago. Now, of course, we don't believe those anyways, but still, um, those are the kind of races. Look at Lee Zeldin in New York. Look at Tudor in Michigan. Look at um. Patrick Maloney, he's up against a Republican that's coming on strong. Look at all these races. I'm telling you, people have just had it. Yep. They've just had it. So, I mean, and it's going to be a lot of who turns out that day, especially in races like Michigan and here in New York. It's whether enough Republicans and their friends and 
That's why you, it's not enough for you to do it. You got to get 9, 10, 12 of your friends to go out there because it's all going to be about turnout that day. We have to overwhelm at the polls. Overwhelm at the polls is what we're going to have to do in those races. Like Lee Zeldin has a legitimate shot of, of winning New York. And I'll tell you how you know he does. It's because she is pivoting all over the place on everything. Now, all of a sudden, she's interested in crime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I saw, I saw that Saturday. <laughs> Clean up the yeah. subways. <laughs> yeah. Oh, all more cops, more this, more that. You couldn't be more phony. You couldn't be more phony. But that's what happens when you get down in the polls. All right, more to do live from Studio 6B on a Monday night. Glad you're in. Live from Studio 6B on a Monday night, 8.30 on the East Coast. Glad you're in. Paul Nolan's here with the news. Sick Rick's doing sports. Rick Delgado is here. There he is, waving to you. Uh, lots to do. Crazy Town coming up. If we can... Um, anybody eat dinner before we do this show, or can we show some Biden clips? Oh, we'll decide that <laughs> later. Um, so, obviously, we have the big Fed meeting coming up. And uh, we're probably going to get another 70. 75 basis point rate hike. So we thought it was a good time to talk about some of this and welcome back our old friend, Phil Patrick from Birch Gold. Mr. Patrick, how are you? Doing well. How are you guys? I don't have any, uh, I don't have any audio there on Mr. Patrick. Can you hear me? You don't hear him? No, I don't. I don't hear him. Okay. Well, that's fine. As long as you hear him, I'll ask the questions and he can answer them. (laughs) I did hear him before when we were in commercial break, Fran, but I don't hear him now. Uh, Mr. Patrick, how are you? Uh, FOMC meeting. Well, it looks like we're going to get another 75 basis point hike. And we've been talking on the show. What concerns me, and obviously the midterms are coming up, and you can tell me from kind of an economic perspective really what's at stake. But, you know, the Fed keeps working on obviously lagging data. And, and people are saying we've never seen hiking like this, 75, 75, 75. You know, these are the same people who couldn't have been more wrong about inflation a year ago saying, oh, we shouldn't overreact. Now, here we are a year later, and they get on television. And what annoys me is they get on there and they go, oh, yeah, we're going to raise 75. We're going to keep raising because we're going to stay the course because we're so smart. Well, you weren't smart a year ago. You guys couldn't have been more wrong. So tell me what your expectations are. Do you think we get another 75? And then kind of like what I said, with the election coming up from an economic perspective, kind of what's at stake here in the next couple of weeks? Of course. So, yeah, Fed meetings coming up. I think most analysts are expecting a three quarter point rate hike again. And you're right, the Fed have been very much behind the curve. But listen, rates are still low and people forget that. We've seen so many rate hikes. People are thinking rates are high because of where we've been for the last decade. They're still low. The federal funds rate is at 3%. They did something called a dot plot. Basically, they go to different Federal Reserve heads and they say, look, where, or banking heads, where do you think rates will be by the end of the year? The average of the dot plot was four and a half. So for me, we've got two 
more three-quarter point rate hikes this year, but that's going to put us at 4.5. The average federal funds rate in history is 4.6. That's considered neutral. They're going to have to go way into restrictive territory next year if they really want to get a handle on inflation, and they haven't done it so far. They haven't done it so far at all. So tough times in front of us and a lot more rate hikes on the horizon, I think. So you think they need to get the federal funds rate above where the inflationary rate is? Of course, our last CPI print was still not great, 8.1, 8 whatever it was. So, so do you expect them to, I mean, I think we all think that inflation is probably coming down. When you look at the way they, the CPI, they factored a CPI, and you look at how much of it is rent and housing. I mean, if you look at the numbers, even the Kay-Shiller numbers, you know that their numbers on, on rent and, and, and owner-adjusted rent, and these things are way off. So you have to figure, if we had real numbers for rent, and and real estate in there that the CPI number would be much lower. So, but your expectation is they're still going to have to raise to get above where CPI is. Yeah, they listen. We've never got a handle on on inflation here in the U.S. A big inflationary problem with an interest rate below the rate of inflation. I think they're going to have to get much higher, at least into restrictive territory. The big question is how high can they go? Right, Biden's running a 1.4 trillion dollar deficit. That's on the back of 31 trillion dollars of debt currently. It's going to become unmanageable. So it's a very tough situation that they're facing at the moment. We don't have any very many tools to address address the problems that we have, but they're going to have to get a lot more aggressive. And quite frankly, I'm not sure they've really got a handle on inflation. Look, gas prices have come down. Core inflation increased 0.3% from the previous report to now. So everything outside of food and energy had basically gotten more expensive, right? Then you look at food prices, they were up 11% year on year, which tells me what's been driving the drop in overall inflation numbers has been a drop in oil prices. And, and that's driven by demand destruction and other things. So I'm not sure they've got a handle on it just yet. So let's talk about this election because obviously it factors in a lot. And I mean, obviously one of the big things is you seemingly never have monetary policy and fiscal policy coming out of our government anywhere close to hand in hand as, I mean, let's be fair about it. Both, both sides have spent like, you know, way well above their means. That's how we have 31 trillion in national debt. Who knows and how much in unfunded liabilities. But let's just say for this conversation's sake, Republicans take back the House and the Senate, um, does it mean anything? What, what would you expect if that was to happen? Look, I look at things from an economic standpoint. Look, politically, I think that would be good too. But uh, but economically, I think this is our best case scenario, right? We'd see an end, I think, to Biden's role, essentially as America's Santa Claus, determined to hand out gifts to everyone. Uh, I'd expect to see a finish to the near endless debt ceiling debates. And instead of a just spend more approach, some fiscal discipline coming in. Um, it's going to create some stability. Don't forget, during the Obama administration, the Republicans were able to extract key spending cuts as collateral for a debt ceiling hike. During the Clinton administration, in exchange for the same thing, we got a balanced budget. So in both cases, we saw compromise, and I expect to see a little bit more of that. What I'm hoping we get out of it, and I think we will if they win both houses, is a little bit of austerity. It's not popular, but it's what we need right now, right? You don't get muscles without exercise. It's it's the same premise. It's what we need at the moment. All right, so let's keep on that same train of thought. Let's say that the Republicans are only able to take back the House and the Democrats hold the Senate. I mean, now we're have total. Well, we'd have gridlock anyways because Biden's not going to sign anything, obviously. But then we have real gridlock where nothing gets done. Some would say the markets would like that. What about that scenario? Look, the markets 
usually respond well to gridlock. Um, so you're absolutely correct on that. Look, uh, what I think we'd see is a slowdown in spending, but just a little bit, right? And I think that's predominantly on the back of the fact that Americans are now realizing that this massive deficit, deficit spending is highly inflationary. But I don't know how much it's going to slow down spending. We already saw Biden regime use the backdoor tactic uh, of budget reconciliation to push through a $1.4 trillion budget deficit this year. But at the very least, I'd expect the Republicans to stand firm on the debt ceiling because we cannot keep kicking the can further and further down the road. It's getting shorter than it looks right now. So for me, and this, by the way, right now is the most likely scenario, according to the polls. But I'm hoping the polls are wrong again this time. They've been wrong for a while now. I mean, is there any scenario that you think the Democrats outperform and hold both the House and the Senate? I mean, I, I couldn't see that happening. Do you? I don't see it happening at all. This would be the worst case scenario for us. Uh, this would be you know, free reign for Biden to push through massive spending packages. I just don't see it as viable at all. They've got such um, a lead for the Senate. I, I just don't see it happening. The House is where the question mark is. The Dems right now are the favorites, but it's marginal and Republicans have been gaining ground aggressively. We could get both houses. That would be best case scenario, but I don't see the Democrats getting uh, it just it's not going to happen it's not going to happen yeah i'm surprised that you think that they're going to run that they're going to raise rates into next year because my my base case was kind of they would raise 75 in november and then maybe do 50 in december and then kind of pause and look around and see kind of what's happened because uh, you know, again, you're starting to see some warning shots from some of these companies. I know they say that, uh, you know, Biden and them like to say, well, the, you know, employment, do you, do you have a number that you think employment needs to get to for them to say, okay, now we really need to, does it need to get to four? Does it need to get to five? Does it need to get to five and a half? Uh, probably somewhere in the middle of those two, probably four and a half, five. But Look, I, I just think that they haven't got a handle on it. And this is, I think, the difference. I think they're going to do another two, two three-quarter point raises between now and the end of the year. I don't think it's going to have the effect that they want on inflation. And we'll see. Look, look at what's happened in Britain. The, the government changed policy entirely on the back of a market reaction. We could see the same thing here, but the Fed right now are, are standing firm. All the noises coming out of Powell is that he's going to stand firm. He's not going to be dovish. He's not going to be. He's not going to backtrack. So I'm expecting them to get more aggressive next year, simply because I don't think they're going to have a handle on inflation. And I think at the end of the day, they'll be willing to sacrifice that the market short to medium term in favor of getting inflation under control. It's the biggest political issue, the biggest economic issue for, for the country at the moment. So I think it's their priority, no matter what the cost. Yeah. And you look at, uh, of course, 30-year fixed mortgages now over 7%. So you're, you're, you're kind of fighting against yourself because you're making people who want to be first-time buyers that can't even buy a house. And now you're forcing them into rent. Rent continues to go up. It affects CPI. So let's talk Correct. to everyday. By the, we're talking to Philip Patrick, by the way, from Birch Gold right here on um, live from Studio 6B. You can text America to 989898 if you want to get information, uh, free information from Birch Gold on how you can get started owning precious metals. Let's talk about that. Obviously, uh, regular day Americans are looking at the price of food, looking at the price of gas, looking at what they're spending to put food on the table, trying to pay the mortgage, having to make decisions. They look at a winter coming up. They're not going to be able to heat their homes. They're talking about Northeast. Uh, in the Northeast, get, getting home heating oil is going to be a total disaster. What do Americans do to prepare themselves going into a stretch like this um, that we're heading into right now? 
Listen, it's a very tough climate to navigate, and you you hit the the nail on the head. Everything's getting more expensive, except for wages, right? They're not keeping wage inflation is not keeping pace with with real inflation. So people are struggling. And for me, you've got retirement accounts out there that are exposed to the market. I think the stock market has quite a long way to drop. Uh, Shiller PE ratio today is still at 28. The only time the Shiller PE ever went above 27 in history, we had the Great Depression. Dot com 08 and now today. So I think we've got, you know, some big, big problems on the horizon for the stock market. Bonds, cash, traditionally a safe way to ride it out. Nonsensical today. Interest rates are still too low to keep pace with inflation. People lose buying power in, in sitting in cash. So I think it's a case of making sure that our retirements, our cash is keeping pace with the cost of living. That's where precious metals come in, right? Inflation being true commodities, when inflation rises, it tends to drive them up longer term. When stock markets crash, it drives gold and silver up on the back of a sharp increase in safe haven demand. So personally, I have not seen a better climate for precious metals than the one we're in today. Everyone needs to research, to learn, understand the problems. And I think everyone needs to look at hedging some of their exposure with precious metals. They're very conducive for climates like this. And again, you can always text America to 989898 from your free information kit from our friends at, at Birch Gold Group. Um, well, I always like having you on. I mean, it's kind of a bleak picture that you paint, but it's unfortunately the kind of the one that we're in and the one we're going to have to deal with. Although I will say this, if you look back at midterm elections, the last 20 of them, the stock market from the time of the midterm election through the following June, I think the least return you've gotten, I think, is 12%. So we can hold out some hope that maybe that trend continues. But uh, I always love having you on the show. And uh, thank you very much. Thank you. It's always good to come on. And I am waiting for the day to come on with some good economic news. It'll be on our horizon. So I'm looking forward to it. All right, Philip Patrick there from Birch Gold. Again, you can text America to 989898. So live from Studio 6B. Uh, what do I got about a minute here before the break? Uh, so, Paul Nolan, let me let me come to you. Um, pretty bleak picture there. I, I don't have the S&P going any lower than 3,300. Uh, I don't hear Paul. Uh, I don't I don't have the S&P going any lower than 3,300. Um, what's your what's your outlook, Paul? <laughs> is this your way of controlling? Yeah. Free Paul Nolan. <laughs> Free Paul Nolan. <laughs> I, I don't know what happened to Paul's. He's, he's he cut back. his mic. Right. <laughs> he, he, right. I, I guess he, he, he's got to add some money to one of those jugs. Yeah, he must have said something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, I, wasn't, I wasn't sure if it was just me or I was just figuring out. Okay, we bleeped him. So. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Thanks for your take, Paul. <laughs> hey, Paul. Hey, hey, hey. All right. Well, we'll, we'll work it out here. <laughs> Studio 6B on a Monday, 13 to the hour. It's always good to have Philip Patrick on. I don't know if I agree with his outlook on the um, 
where the stock market's going, but I don't know. It's, I mean, you know, it's kind of what we say. We just don't know. You know, we know we've never seen, we've never seen raises like this, 75, 75, 75, but I can tell you this. I, like I tried to say to him, I saw 30-year mortgages over seven. I mean, it just makes it impossible for people who want to thinking about buying a house or even selling a house because then you're, you sell your house, you're on the other end of it, and you got to take a 7% mortgage for a 30-year fix, and you got to put 20% down, and it's you've, everything's doubled. Yeah, so it's just, it's just crazy. made me throw up in my mouth. You know, here I am in the middle <laughs> yeah. of this flip. I'm just like... <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, I'm at the point and, right. It, I'm at the point right now. I'm going to have to like legitimately think about leaving my money tied there and and being a renter, or I got to look at which I don't want to. You know, that's not what I want to do. And or I got to consider being the bank at this point. You know, make sure you get a huge deposit down and have a an ironclad agreement where you know, I get to foreclose on someone who can't you know afford the interest rate. It's horrifying. I don't want to be that guy. Yeah, it's horrifying, and it feeds right into like I said, it just. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy to keep the CPI hotter than it is. And then, of course, he keeps raising rates because the CPI is not coming down. And then we we got to have a million people lose their jobs to get the unemployment rate to five and a half, six percent so that these geniuses can finally turn around and go, oh, yeah, maybe we're uh, maybe we're we're OK. And then we're in a depression a year from now. And they go, uh, oh, geez, maybe we raised too much. Uh, it's just uh, just brutal. So but right, this is what you get with central planners, right? I'm sorry. Go ahead. No. Yeah. I mean, this is what you get when people are, it's like we always talk about Fauci and other, and other positions. They can be so wrong, but yet we're the ones who have to pay the price about them being wrong. This guy Kashkari and all these Fed governors a year ago, uh, we don't need to, don't, let's not overreact to a temporary inflation. Let's not react. Commodities soaring, real estate soaring. Let's not overreact, though. The inflation is going to be temporary. You couldn't be more wrong. And here we are a year later, and all of us have to pay the price for it. So it's just absolutely crazy. So, all right, let's do some sports and hear what that is. Uh, Slick Rick, Rick Emirati, what's going on, Slick? Well, speaking of being wrong and having to pay the price, what do you know? <laughs> Dubbears go into Beantown and are banging the New England Patriots across the stadium field. They're up 10 nothing with two minutes to go in the first quarter. Can you believe Dubbears decide to show up tonight? And uh, man, oh man, I need, I need about three quick scores, Big D. Yeah, that's it. Five G's <laughs> in the hole. Can't believe it. New England decides to lay an egg tonight. I thought they were, were going to get zapped with their new quarterback there, Zap, but no, no case. So that's <laughs> well, he's that. only the first. First, first quarter. First quarter. I know. Yeah, I know. I know. It's, it's yeah. They're gonna have to. They're gonna. They, they're missing uh, Brady big time now. Wait, wait. You haven't figured out Slick Rick yet? The sky is falling. Yes, you know. It's all over. Yeah. Hey, believe me. This this <laughs> mantra that I use works. Believe me. It's good I know what I'm doing. And hey, let's go to the rodeo. We don't want to forget our rodeo here. Come on, boys. I know hey, I got 33 in the bank. Big D is. Uh, you know, he's talking to uh, Big Sal for a loan down there in, in Florida. Uh, hey, the bucking battle in Bismarck, the great state of North. Dakota, Bismarck, the Bismarck Event Center. Now, there's a place that's got its act together with a good governor. But here we go. All-around cowboy over the weekend. Connor Mernion, $3,659 for saddle bronc and bull riding. Bareback, Garrett Shadbolt, 88 and a half points on Dakota Rodeos. Private Eyes. That was a great hole in old song back in the day. Saddle bronc riding. We got a tie. Ben Anderson and Dakota Rodeos. <laughs> Pulp Fiction. Houston Brown. I'm bro Listen, you guys are young boys. You don't remember that song from 81. Uh, bull riding. Kobe Jacobson, 87 points on Dakota Royals 
Pontianak, not Pontiac, but Pontianak. Uh, and $6,700. Good payouts. Small rodeo, $65,894, and only uh, three events. So that's it on the rodeo. And big deal. Let's get over to the NCAA, NCAA big weekend, uh, big football. Let me just roll through some scores here. These are the top 25 teams that were on the books this weekend. Number two, Ohio State rolled Iowa 54 to 10. I picked up money on that one. Number three, Tennessee, Riggs Vols. Well, they, they killed Utah, University of Tennessee, Martin. 65 to 24. Number five, Clemson, 27 over, uh, over Syracuse for 14. I'm sorry, 27 21. Syracuse is number 14. Number six, Bama. Well, I was wrong. And, and uh, Denise for Trump let me know I never, never should bet against the Titan. She's right. Alabama winning 30 to, tw- to six over Mississippi State. Mississippi State just never showed up. TCU, the Horn Frogs, 38 to 17 over Kansas State. Uh, number 10, Oregon, 45 to 30 over UCLA. Oregon Ducks getting it done. Oklahoma State, the Cowboys, 41 to 34 over Texas. And our head coach, Steve Sarkeesian, he took a little bit of abuse there. Huh? He didn't. Uh, sit and wait and sing this Eyes of Texas song. And he got reamed for that one on social media, didn't he? I heard about that one. Yep. Yeah, so yeah, you got you to gotta t- take your fight song, win or lose. You got to be a, a good sport. And uh, we got um, Wake Forest, uh, 43 to 15 over Boston College. Penn State, Nittany Lions, 45-17 over Minnesota. Cincinnati, num- uh, number 21, Cincinnati, 29 to 27. Good game against SMU. Tight one there. And number 25, Tulane, 38 over Memphis, 28. So good weekend there. And uh, well, big day I'll throw it back to you. I've used my five minutes. I'll get into Kyle Lawson and also some MMA in my next report. Oh, MMA. I watched the big fight. It was good. Good, good fights this weekend. Yeah. Uh, while I was laying on my right side for the, like the nine millionth hour. Um, all right. Thanks. Look, Rick sports is brought to you by um, Mike Lindell and our friend uh, over at my pillow, mypillow.com slash LFS six B LFS six B is the code at checkout. Let's do some news and hear what the news is. Mr. Paul Nolan free Paul Nolan. Free Paul Nolan. Here he is. What's going on, Mr. Nolan? Well, you know what I um when I was reading about, you know, this billionaire who's now the oligarch of uh the UK, you know, I was looking into Britain and some of the things, and I saw this article from Reuters from a few days ago titled uh Time for Britain to Try a Technocratic Government. Yeah, that's that's the title. Uh, British politicians like uh, to look to America for inspiration, but after months of political and economic turmoil at home, they would be better off studying Italy and Greece. Those nations tackled the previous crisis by installing governments led by non-politicians. After four failed prime ministers in just over six years, it's time for Britain to consider a similar experiment. Technocratic governments tend to take uh, charge after an election administration has collapsed and rule for a short period of time with limited mandate. Former European Central Bank boss uh, Mario Draghi, for example, is wrapping up a 20-month stint in his Italy's prime uh, minister, despite never uh, contesting an election. Previous holders of the office include uh, Monti, the former commissioner who took charge uh, of the Eurozone crisis in 2011, Lucas Papadamos, the former governor of Greece's central bank, and sworn uh, as the head of the country's caretaker uh, and government uh, in the same month, which I don't know if you guys remember that. That's when the essentially the central bank stole everybody's money. Uh, these leaders would recognize Britain's predicament. Prime Minister Liz Truss's uh, techno-skeptic administration recklessly attempted to boost growth by cutting taxes and startling investors and forcing the Bank of England to step in. The government has belated, uh, belatedly borrowed from technocratic playbook by installing a new finance minister, Jeremy Hunt, who on Monday reversed the bulk of the policies. But, but Hunt is a relatively recent convert to strict 
discipline, uh, physical, fiscal discipline, and it's far from clear that trust will survive the U-turn. Um, the best way to, to resolve the impasse would be to hold an election. However, the conservatives are desperate to avoid a national vote, which opinion polls would suggest to lead to a devastating defeat. The ruling party could potentially cling to power for two more years, putting the non-political uh, politician in charge for a limited period of time uh, before uh, things begin to look more appealing. Britain could populate a cabinet with former central bankers, retired civil servants, and business leaders of ex-European commissioners, uh, many of them already members of the House of Lords. I'm going to post this on my getter page. It goes on to just talk about how these people who should be placed in charge are people um, who are billionaires who will tell you exactly how you live your life, and uh, there'll be absolutely no uh, there'll be no liberty under their rule. This is just uh, stunning. And uh, that's why I'm wrapping it short because I know we have a, a minute till break. And then I want to touch on uh, Rishi's uh, statements from the World Economic Forum about CBDCs. I'll get to that in the next segment. The uh, governor of Florida was asked tonight about a po in this debate with Charlie Chris about a possible run for president. And he said the following, the only worn out old donkey I'm looking to put out to pasture right now is Charlie Christ. <laughs> 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 so he's just whooping that boy around down there tonight. That's for sure. All right. Quick first hour. The chat's all fired up as always. Good to see everybody in there. Hour two coming up. Lots to do. Crazy town. Lots to get to. We'll do it when we get back right after this. Studio 6P, hour two. Glad you're in on a Monday, Real America's Voice. Paul Nolan's got some news. Slick Rick's doing sports. Rick Delgado's here as well. Lots to do. Glad you're in the chat, all fired up. Make sure you follow us on all our social media. And um, again, I know I said it before, but I want to just continue to push. Subscribe to the podcast as we continue to try to build the podcast numbers up. It's a great way to take the show kind of with you, get the audio version. Some would say I have a face for radio, so it's good to uh, just get the audio version on podcasts. You can get it on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, um, Spotify, wherever. Uh, it's linked on all of our social media at the top, pinned at the top of our Getter and our Twitter. So you can just click on that and subscribe to it. All you have to do is subscribe once and you'll get all the episodes we upload each and every day, the prior night show. So it's a great way to keep up with the show. If you missed it, you can listen to it in your car, listen to it on your phone whatever so subscribe and if you to detach your retina then you don't have to miss out on the show <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly if you have to lay on your side for 19 years you could uh, listen to the show in your ears so um so here's another one i was talking about the opening of the show political polls on twitter new hampshire senate uh hassan the democrat a very blue area obviously 48 don bolduck now 47 i mean it's right there it's a dead heat so all of these races are in play i mean it's just it just seems like the timing and this of of all of these candidates and just 
everything that's going on as people look around them and see what's going on, the timing is just really, it's gonna all depend on turnout. Well, but I mean, it's it's all right there for the taking. Go ahead, Rick. You know what's funny about that? Because I was listening to something today, and they're like, "Oh, you know, the tide has turned. It was it was leaning red, and then it started to go back to the Democrats, and it was going back to the Republicans." I'm like, "Nah, you know what it is? It was just." There was that lull in the summer where they they just kind of tried to control the narrative and be like, oh, you know, the Democrats are pushing back hard, and now it's gotten to the point where they can't control it anymore. They can't they can't sit there and be like, oh, the Democrats are leading. They can't sit there and 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 give them a seventeen point lead when they know they're down. You know, we they, they can't lie about it anymore, and I think that's what we're starting to see is that the uh, it, it's starting to overwhelm them. The news that's coming yeah. out. The people that are speaking up, the polling that they're doing, even though it's heavily weighted Democrat, uh, even with that worked into the uh, into the equation, they're having trouble and it's starting to come out and there's nothing they can do about it. Well, remember, you know who was great at this? One of the thousand reasons he's missed so sorely is, of course, the great Rush Limbaugh. He used to be able to around these times, I can remember how good Rush would be with kind of reeducating the public on polling on why not to believe what your eyes are telling you when you read some of these polls. And um, Patrick Shanahan writes a piece today about Rush and about that, uh, basically saying Rush would, up to the final four weeks before election day, the goal of mass market pollsters is not to provide an accurate reflection of public opinion, it's to shape public opinion. They'll tweak their selection criteria and question to produce a result that maximizes liberal engagement and depresses conservatives. Most well-known national polling companies are joined at the hip with the leftist establishment, and they behave accordingly. Nobody should believe any poll conducted more than a month out. But when we get close to election day, that behavior changes. Now the polls produced by the big polling outfits will help define their reputation for accuracy moving forward. No pollster wants to be known as, quote, the one who got it wrong, end quote. And so they actually begin to reflect the public's actual opinions, but not before a month out. Every cycle, the result is the same. The polls swing towards Republicans as we get closer. So, Rick, exactly what you're saying there. And and when are we going to start to hear the Democrats talk about a stolen election? What is it, uh, November 9th? Yep. Is that what's going to happen? Haven't we heard from them every yeah. single election since 2000 that they lost? And now anything they've you know, lost. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're election deniers, though, right? We have a label. We've been labeled that, right? Trade is, and okay. Right. So, yeah. it's a so he, as he says here, in recent weeks, you've seen just that realignment start to happen right on schedule. We like to think this represents that the public is moving in the right, quote unquote, direction. It really means that the pollsters are moving in the direction of basic honesty because their careers are going to depend on it. The voters have been in the right place all along. Russia's lessons hold as true today as it did eight or 20 years ago. Do not pay attention to the polls prior to the immediate run-up to the election. But if you choose to, certainly don't play into the left's hands and use it as a reason for wailing and gnashing of teeth. That's truly what they want. So I thought that was well-timed. And, um, you know, nobody had a better pulse on what was going on than Rush did with his audience and in this country especially as it led up to elections. So I thought that was well-timed. So the other thing I want to get to, I talked about in the opening segment, is this, because I think this maybe breaks it down even a little more simpler. 
the one simple question Republicans can ask for victory in November. Uh, Brian Jundef today in American Thinker. The 2022 midterm elections are two weeks away, red or blue wave, or will it be a shade of purple? Which party will control Congress in January? Rasmussen reports in a recent survey of likely US voters found that Republicans have a seven point lead in their bid to recapture control of Congress. They also observed the GOP lead is up three points from last week when they led 47 to 43 at only four points, now it's up to seven. Republicans should not break out the champagne though quite yet as the GOP, also known as the stupid party, is fully <laughs> capable of snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. One example is in my state of Colorado where Republican Senate candidate Joe O'Day made these remarks. Quote, I don't think Donald Trump should run again, O'Day said in an interview on CNN State of the Union. I'm gonna actively campaign against him and make sure that we've got four or five really great Republicans. That's what he said. Is that a smart move for a GOP Senate candidate, even in a state like blue Colorado? CNN reluctantly acknowledged a month ago, yes, the former president is without question the favorite to win the Republican nomination for a third time. Running against Trump now, when he is not on the ballot next month, may lead many MAGA Republicans to not vote for Trump bashing Republican candidates like O'Day. Now, I'm not endorsing this strategy, the author says, um, but in contrast, the one simple question that Republicans should be asking is not about Donald Trump. It is a question that we heard from a presidential campaign in 1980. Cut one, uh, cut zero, G, roll that. Next Tuesday is election day. Next Tuesday, all of you will go to the polls, will stand there in the polling place and make a decision. I think when you make that decision, it might be well if you would ask yourself, are you better off than you were four years ago? Is it easier for you to go and buy things in the stores than it was four years ago? Is there more or less unemployment in the country than there was four years ago? Is America as respected throughout the world as it was? Do you feel that our security is as safe, that we're as strong as we were four years ago? And if you answer all of those questions, yes, why then I think your choice is very obvious as to who you'll vote for. If you don't agree, if you don't think that this course that we've been on for the last four years is what you would like to see us follow for the next four, then I could suggest another choice that you have. This country doesn't have to be in the shape that it is in. We do not have to go down, go on sharing in scarcity with uh, the country getting worse off, with unemployment growing. We talk about the unemployment lines. If all of the unemployed today were in a single line, allowing two feet for each one of them, that line would reach from New York City to Los Angeles, California. All of this can be cured and all of it can be solved. I have not had the experience that the president has had in holding that office, but I think in being governor of California, the most populous state in the union, if it were a nation, it would be the seventh ranking economic power in the world. I too had some lonely moments and decisions to make. I know that the economic program that I have proposed for this nation in the next few years can resolve many of the problems that trouble us today. I know because we did it there. We cut the cost, the increased cost of government, the increase in half over the eight years. We returned $5.7 billion 
in tax rebates, credits, and cuts to our people. We, as I've said earlier, fell below the national average in inflation when we did that. And I know that we did give back authority and autonomy to the people. I would like to have a crusade today, and I would like to lead that crusade with your help. And it would be one to take government off the backs of the great people of this country and turn you loose again to do those things that I know you can do so well because you did them and made this country great. Thank you. Now, and there you go. And that's a, um, as the author continues here, that's a no brainer for any Republican to um, echo. They don't have to weigh in on Donald Trump or January 6th clown show. Instead, just ask that question. If asked about Trump, simply reply that it's not on any ballot this campaign. It's not about Trump. Are you better off than you were two years ago? That is the question for any Republican candidate to be asking. And that's the question that all of us should be posing to each other as we head to the polls on November 8th. Are we better off than we were two years ago, as opposed to four years before that? And what's amazing from that, too, is that that was, what, 42 years ago he made that speech? 43 years ago? Something like that? And yep, it went when, on to two huge landslides after right. that. And that was when California was the model. That was, you know, you hear what he talked about, the policies they put in place and what they were able to do for the taxpayer. And now you look at California today, and it is a third world nation. It, it, it's just, it, it has fallen so far, so fast simply run by Democrats who have, you know, no inclination for success because your success is a threat. You know, uh, capitalism, um, uh, wealth, you, you gaining any power over your life is a threat to them. So they got to they gotta stomp, the, stomp on that, take it away from you because that's a threat. And back then, it, California, I remember growing up, and hearing about these high schools that were just, you know, the, the kids were doing great. The scores were through the roof. I mean, it, it, was, it was amazing. And I was jealous. I'm like, wow, we don't live in California. We should live in California. Their schools are great. It seems like everybody's awesome out there. Now, people are fleeing that state like it's a, like a flea-born <laughs> tick engorged on your leg, and you're trying to run away before yeah. it sucks you dry. Totally. Yeah. I could be wrong. Yeah. Now you're right. No, you are you are right. People are people are are all these blue cities. We talk about it. You said it best, Ben. Your your freedom, your liberty, your success is a threat to them. They need you dependent, and they're not happy. They keep eating from the bottom up. The poorest of the poor weren't enough. Then the low middle class. Then it's from the middle class, and then after that, it'll be the upper middle class. And they're not. They keep eating from the bottom. They keep trying to destroy everybody's liberty. Yeah. Well. I think that I thought that was very timely, given where we are right now, and um, given that that question is as true today to anybody who's running for office to ask the American people as any other time. Are you better off than you were two years ago? There is not a single issue that you can come up with that your answer would be yes. Not a single one. If you're being truthful, nothing about now is better than it was two years ago. All right, sports and news coming up. Crazy Town as well, live from Studio 6B on a Monday.
right, live from Studio 6B on a Monday, 17 past the hour. Glad you're in. Paul Nolan's here with the news. Rick Delgado's here. Slick Rick is going to do some sports. Geo Friend holding it down as always. Glad you're a part of the show. Make sure you follow us on all our social media. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever uh, it's on all our social media as well. Uh, let's do some sports. Sports is brought to you by our friend Mike Lindell, MyPillow, MyPillow.com slash LFS6B for all the best deals for our audience. What's going on, Slick Rick? All right, Big D. Well, uh, New England Patriots got on the board. It's now 10-7. Monday Night Football update, 7.34 to go in the second quarter. 10-7, Big D. So they're starting to make a little bit of a comeback. Bears playing good ball, but a lot of football left. And uh, hopefully oh, you're feeling too- a little, oh, now it's a lot of football left. Now he's feeling a little better. Last segment, you were ready to, uh, you know. I think the Patriots pull Harry out before the half. Yeah. That's my prediction. Yeah, we'll okay. see. Well, speaking of the NFL, we got a quick report, and then I'm going to get into the scores from the weekend. I'll get to the MMA at the end because I do want to talk about that great fight over the weekend. But NFL investigating officials after video appears to show them getting autographed from Mike Evans per report. This is from Jordan Dejani of CBS Sports. This is on a few, and here's the video. You see these refs, they come up, and they're asking Mike Evans right after the game, Gee, could we get your autograph? Well, per Tom Pelissaro, the NFL, NFL, RA, CBA says game officials shall not ask players, coaches, or any team personnel for autographs or memorabilia. While it's, of course, unconfirmed, the video does appear to show both officials asking Evans to sign something. Maybe he was signing their golf scorecard. I don't know. But uh, Evans, uh, you can see clearly, is signing this. And, uh, you know, these refs, one of the refs was with the the league for 21 years. Can't believe he would pull such a bush move. But uh, this probably goes on all the time. We don't know. But somebody got it on video. You know the world of video today, Big D? You're not going to get away with much. And uh, we'll see how that comes out. But I want to see what kind of disciplinary action is taken against those officials. Because, hey, that guy has a two a two step toe tap in the end zone. Big game. Hey, Mike Evans gave me an autograph. That's good. Meanwhile, he didn't get the second foot in bounds. You know, you gotta worry about that stuff. You know, especially if they're playing my Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> and by the way, Brady and Tampa right now they're sitting at three and four. They can use all the help they can get after that blowout yesterday. That was a shocking game. And uh, yeah, well, we'll he see. is um, he is a shambles. He is a shambles on the field. He's a shambles in his personal life, supposedly. And that's the only. I mean, I can only. Yep. Judged by what my eyes tell me when I look at him in these press conferences and it, it, it just looks very skinny. He's always skinny, but he looks like almost like emaciated. I know. He looks like he is in about split into about 20,000 different directions and none of them have to do with football. Looks like a meteor crashing once a superstar and forever will be arguably the greatest quarterback in NFL history. We could argue that forever, but uh, he's got the numbers, seven titles. But yeah, I think he might have stayed one dance too long like a lot of heavyweight boxers do, Big D. Let's get to some final scores, though, from the weekend. NFL busy week. Uh, This was, what, week seven, of course. And uh, Bengals, 35-17 over the Falcons. My Dallas Cowboys came back. Tough grind in the beginning, but they beat the Detroit Lions 24-6. I mean, Detroit was 1-4 and at the time, so it's not a big win. Uh, but the Titans over the Colts, 19-10. to Big upset. Commanders, 23-21 over the Green Bay Packers. I don't know, Aaron Rodgers oh. having a tough time, Big D. That's uh, starting to come undone there. He can't get it together with his receivers. I still think he pulls it together, and that team comes out and, and makes the playoffs. They'll turn it around. Panthers, 
uh, over the Buccaneers. What the Giselle is going on? 21 to 3. <laughs> Tampa Brady. We just talked about that. The wheels are coming off down in Florida. The Giants. I'm getting a lot of abuse. Everybody's yelling at me about the uh, Giants. I got, uh, let's see, uh, Tom Meyer from Passaic, New Jersey. J-O-I-S-E-Y. He's just going to talk about my Giants. I'll give you Giants credit. Good win over the Jags. 23-17. Of course, I lost. They came within inches of scoring that. Well, really, a one yard. within ah, time. Shut when, up. Uh, Good win for the Giants. <laughs> I know. Browns right now lost to the Ravens 23-20. Lamar Jackson gets out of Dodge Bailey. The Jets, big injury for the Jets, though. They lost their star rookie running back. What a shame. But they beat the Broncos 16-9. Jets are for real. I can't bet against the Jets and Giants. They proved me wrong. And uh, the Raiders 38 I feel bad 20. for that kid from the Jets. I feel bad for oh, that kid from the Jets. Devastation. Lost ACL, for the year. Terrible. Yeah, yeah, and then Vera Tucker, Elijah Vera Tucker goes down. The offensive lineman who's playing well. Poor Jeff Mass. That's why they can't have nice things. The Jets are trying to <laughs> effort a trade with the Jaguars for their running back. We'll see where that goes. And uh, the Seahawks over the Chargers, 37-23. Chiefs uh, looking good, the Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes, how can you not love the guy? He just puts up the numbers. 44-23 over the Niners. And, uh, well, the last night's Sunday night game, good game. Tula Tagovailoa came out like he was shot out of a cannon, and then... They kind of slowed down. Steelers almost came back. Good game, though. 16-10. Congratulations to the Miami Dolphins. 50 years undefeated team. 1972. Great to see Zonka, Mercury Morris, and the guys on the field. Kudos to that Miami team. Miami and the Steelers, boy, vintage early 70s football. Really brought a tear to a slick Rick, so I love those days. And that's a wrap in sports, Big D. Back to you. We'll keep an eye on that Patriot game. I knew that the Dolphins game, something was up at 16-10. Dolphins were favored by seven. They were up six at the half, and the odds maker made them a half in the second half. Minus one half, not even a minus one point to get to the full seven. And I was like, boy, that seems weird. No points in the second half. Thank God. <laughs> that helped me. You tell me that. You tell me they don't know something about what's going on. Unbelievable. <laughs> they made a minus a half in the second half, and there was no point scored. And I looked at it and said, how could they only make them a half? They haven't even reached the spread yet. They at least make a minus one, minus one and a half. No, no, minus a half. No points in the second half. I was like, wow. Hey, Big D, you see the way the refs were talking to Mike Evans in in the tunnel? Maybe the odds makers talk to the coaches in the tunnel, too, and say, hey, no points this half. (laughs) I think you're talking to someone in the tunnel. Get in your place, pal, if you want to know what I think. So, All right, thanks, Slick Rick. We'll do some more sports. Let's do some news. And here with the news is Mr. Paul Nolan. Mr. Nolan, how are you? I am well. I'm going to be posting all these on my uh, my getter page. By the way, I'm closing in on 9K. Thank you, everybody. P-O-P-P-A. Like, I love it when you call me Big Papa Nolan at uh, over at Getter. Um, so this is an interesting story I saw on CNBC. How Google's former CEO, Eric Schmidt, helped write AI laws in Washington without publicly disclosing investments in AI startups. Can you guys believe this shocking news? Uh, government insider... Um, and Google CEO is uh, capitalizing on the government's uh, lack of integrity and stupidity. So here it is. Uh, about four years ago, former Google CEO Eric Schmidt was appointed to National Security Commission on Artificial Intelligence by chairman, chairman of the House Armed Services Committee. It was a powerful perch. Congress tasked the new group with a broader mandate to advise the U.S. government on how to advance the development of artificial intelligence intelligence, machine learning, and other technologies to enhance the national security of the United States. The mandate was simple. Congress directed the new body to advise on how to enhance American competitiveness on AI against its adversaries, build the AI workforce of the future, develop data and ethical procedures. 
in short, the commission, which Schmidt uh, soon took charge of as chairman, was tasked with coming up with the recommendations for almost every aspect of vital and emerging industry. The panel did far more under his leadership. It wrote the proposed legislation that later became law and steered billions of dollars of taxpayer funds to industry to, he helped build that was actively investing in while running the group. You know, uh, it goes on, I'm gonna skip down a little bit, but it goes on, Schmidt's investment was the first of a handful of direct investments he would make uh, in an AI startup companies during his tenure as chairman of the AI commission. Uh, Walter Schwab, a senior ethics fellow and the project of government oversight and former US director of office of government ethics said it's an absolute contract of influence, uh, of interest. Uh, that's technically legal um, for a variety of reasons, but it's not the right thing to do. Venture capital firms financed in part by Schmidt and his private family foundations also made dozens of additional investments in AI companies during Schmidt's tenure, giving Schmidt an economic stake in the industry, even as he developed new regulations and encouraged taxpayer financing for it. Altogether, uh, Schmidt and his entities connected uh, to him made more than 50 investments in AI companies while he was chairman of the Federal Commission on AI, the information on his investments is not publicly available. But I'll just, I'll conclude this, no, we don't have a lot of time. Right now, his vast personal wealth is about, would you guys care to make a guess what this guy's worth about? I don't know, seven billion. I would say six. Good, nice, not bad. Uh, why don't you guys add those together and then go up? Twenty, <laughs> wow. 25 billion. <laughs> 20 billion. Woof. 20 billion. Yeah. Billion. What is he working still? Just get it. Let me just remind you. Point. Let me remind you, Paul, that uh, he's also on the board of Chainlink, which <laughs> let's not. Uh... <laughs> let's not bad too much. <laughs> Way to go, Mr. Schmidt. All right, Crazy Town coming up. Glad you're a part of the show as always. Uh, Slick Rick's doing sports. Paul's doing news. Rick Doe, Gatos here. Make sure you follow us on social media. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And of course, as always, make sure you visit our friend Mike Lindell at My Pillow. All right, bunch of great stuff to get to here. And, and G says I got to start off with the WTF of the day. And I love <laughs> when we have these. We don't have them too often, but they're so appropriately titled. So the WTF of the day, G, roll it. My Aunt Gloria, who you may recall was your biggest fan in 2020 because she said, going to need an old white dude to go after an old, <laughs> to take on an old white dude. Um, but when I asked Good her God. if you should run for re-election, she said she's not sure that you should, um, given your age. Convince Aunt Gloria that she should stick with you. Well, I think Aunt Gloria should take a look I, I think it's a legitimate thing to be concerned about anyone's age, including mine. I think that's totally legitimate. But I think the best way to make the judgment is to, uh, watch to me. you know, watch me. <laughs> you know, am I slowing up? Am I don't have the same pace as her? You know, uh, and that old joke, you know, uh, um, everybody talks about the 
you know, the new 70s, 50s, you know, all that stuff. You know, I, you know, it could be, I, I'm a great respecter of fate. I could get a disease tomorrow. I could, you know, drop dead tomorrow. But I, you know, in terms of my energy level, in terms of how much I'm able to do, I think people should look and say, is he, does he still have the same passion for what he's doing? And if they think I do and I can do it, then that's fine. If they don't, then they should vote against me. Not against me, they should encourage me not to go. But that's not how I feel. I can't even say the age of Oh, no, what's happening? I can't get it out of my mouth. I can't, I, mean, I swear to God, it's like, no. Come on, that can't be true. And I'm, you think I'm joking? You know I'm not joking. I know you're not joking. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's just strange. But uh, strange. I think Aunt Gloria should just take a real hard look. And if she concludes I, that I'm missing a beat, then she should, you know, support some other Democrat if they decide to run. But Jonathan, right now, knock on wood, don't want to jinx myself. Um, you know, I'm in good health. He is a All of my everything physically about me is still functioning well <laughs> that you know so you know and mentally too so you know i uh, i just but i understand people want to ask that question heaven help us i'm crazy oh, wow what was that wow most folks have amazing gentlemen most folks have maybe on maybe on gloria should just keep continue to watch that piece yeah and she can make her own determination that you are absolutely lost. He said knock on wood and knocked on his own head. Yeah, knocked on his head. And knocked on his own head. And they <laughs> put his arms on the man's shoulders and went for the kiss. Yeah, that was the that was the real creepy thing. It was like, oh, he, he realized, oh, you got to be turned around and you don't have hair uh, that I could sniff. You're a little too old for me. So he backed off. He's like, could you hold it's this a- rattle? <laughs> it is amazing every time he's asked. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing every time he's asked about his about his uh, his mental faculties that his answer always displays that he has no mental watch faculties. Me. Watch me. <laughs> watch me. <laughs> My God. I can't believe he said watch me again. I was kidding yeah. when I said oh, watch I know. Me. I couldn't believe he said it again. <laughs> it was perfect. All right, let's All right, we got more to get to here. Uh LOL number 1 of the day. Biden's asked about what a great job Kamala's doing. Roll that, G. The vice president of the United States, yeah. Vice President Harris. How's she doing? You're almost two years in. How's she doing? She's doing great. She is a, uh, first of all, she's smart as hell. She has a, she has a backbone like a ramrod, and she has enormous <laughs> integrity. And, uh, but if you take a look out there, there isn't any public figure that is, you know, 60% favorable ratings. I mean, you know, most of the, and, but she is doing a great job and she is, and she is really, really thoroughly <laughs> informed and, and particularly and she's on areas of foreign policy and national security issues. And so <laughs> I find her to be extremely, extremely uh, well qualified and a great asset. We have lunch once a week, and, and she is in. She, there's it. nothing. She lets me have that nuggets. She is cut off from. I'm we engage her in everything. 
And, uh, but it's, uh, I think she's doing a great job. Yeah, sounds like it. <laughs> wow. What a ringing endorsement. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Like, oh, she's doing such a great yeah. job. She's, she's, she's smart. She, she's as tough as a ram. What's a ramrod, Joe? <laughs> what is what that? the heck that's is a ramrod? Is that, is that some movie he saw from the 70s he's recalling that's now? That's something you find in Suite 207 at Epstein's Island. It's amazing. He said he says nobody has uh, nobody has like a sixty percent favorability rating. He says I guess that means for him too, obviously. So, all right, let's let's get to Crazy Town. That's a good setup now. G Crazy Town. Biden's getting the younger Democrats all jazzed up for the midterms. Roll it. There we go. If we get people out to vote, we win. Our little babe over there is not so sure about all this. <laughs> She seems okay so far. At any rate, uh, and what I want to talk about, I'm going to make what I think is the most important closing argument to make. I've been into about uh, 30, 31 districts, or 31 places, going a, a bunch between now and uh, now and the <laughs> election day. First Stop. of all, if you speak to most pollsters, they're not sure anymore. Not about the outcome, but about polling. About I don't pay attention to anything having to do with the polls. I just pay attention to what's happened on the phone and we're knocking on doors. This election is a referendum. It's not a referendum, I should say. It's a choice. <laughs> Everybody wants to make it a referendum, but it's a choice. Republicans are doubling down on their mega mega trickle-down economics. We, oh, the Democrats, mega. are the ones that are fiscally responsible. Let's get that straight now, okay? Jack. Republicans have been very clear. They've stated boldly that they want to cut Social Security and Medicare. Oh, yeah. I Where? ain't going to do it. Yeah. Let's go back and see <laughs> what we inherited from Trump and the mega Republicans. We won the election. That we, when we came to office, Megan we inherited Megan. a nation in crisis, the pandemic with no end, an economy on the brink. And because of the inaction of incompetence of the COVID was running and ruining American lives. Look at how far off we've come. On Trump's <laughs> watch, American manufacturing was hollowed out. On my watch, made in America isn't just a slogan, it's a reality. We've <laughs> infrastructure bill since Eisenhower's interstate highway system. You know, we had we had infrastructure weak and it kept, kept having it and having it, nothing happened. Now we got an infrastructure decade. We know we know a lot of folks are struggling with inflation, driven by Putin's war in Ukraine oh, and the global is. pandemic. It's a little solace. But we have a lower inflation rate than most any nation in the any other nation in the world. Because of what we did early in the first piece of legislation we passed, a family of four would reduce their cost to twenty four hundred bucks a year if they were on Medicare. I mean excuse me, on on uh, the uh, um, Obamacare. Yeah. Every time I talk about the cost of these things, there goes that big spending Democrat Biden again. <laughs> well, guess what the big spending Democrat Biden did? The deficit fell by one point four trillion dollars this year. Cut the deficit in half. Because of the number of actions I've taken, we've taken, and it's take too long to go into detail, but guess what? Gas prices are coming down. They're down a dollar twenty cents this summer, and just this no, week they fell mean. another ten cents. You know Republicans love to call Democrats big spenders and claim that we are we are for and they claim they're for less government spending. Well, give me a little break here. Just look at the facts. Now Republicans in Congress are doubling down on their mega-mega commitment mega, mega. to implode the deficit again. 
Just last week, Republican leaders said if they get their way, they're going to extend the tra extend the tra Trump tax cuts, which right. in existence in two years. Spit it out, sir. Easy for the last administration. Even when they threatened, even though I was asked to settle it on New Year's Eve day, settle this a similar deal with the last Republican leader. Huh? We were able to succeed and not default, but guess what? Our credit rating went down anyway because we're risking a plan with the debt. It's irresponsible. Think about this. Uh -oh. That's angry. mega mega trickle down <laughs> politics in the extreme. Way, I love mega mega. Apologize for helping working the middle class <laughs> folks and Americans as they recover with the pandemic. Look, folks. And by the way, if I can divert for another second. The same people in the Congress the are really hollering at me saying I'm wasting money allowing you if you had a if you had a Pell Grant to get another uh, re, you know, they, debt relief from your yeah. debt up to and, you, and by the way, the average person getting his debt relief makes less than 75 grand a year. OK, they say that's that's outrageous. But, you know, the the. The program we allowed people, the PPP program, to get money back if their business were in trouble. They made no apologies for that. They thought it's okay for them to get that relief for their business. Yeah, but you breaking your neck and getting caught in the middle of a crisis, you can't get any relief for the debt. And guess who's going to grow the economy more? An educated public or those guys? I don't know who they think they are. What is that? Oh, my God. You know, that's the whole mega mega trickle down policy. <laughs> I need a mega mega shirt. Sure the very now. foundation of American economy. <laughs> Sounds like our But if we don't meet their demands, mega, mega they're going to shut the place down. And then they talk about inflation. Uh, he's losing steam. Everything they'll do is going to make oh. inflation worse. Because of you all, we confirm the first black woman to ever serve on the Supreme Court of the United States. Are you sure she's a woman? How would you help? The highest ranking. Black Indian with Indian background <laughs> woman in American history to be vice president. We're making real progress. You know, I was with Xi Jinping in the Tibetan plateau. I spent more time with Xi Jinping than any other leader oh, in the world. He's, he's pulling out the hits. Over 78 hours worth on the eight or 10 of those on the phone and the rest in person over the last 12 years. This is like a it's the reason why we're sort of the, the these ugly Americans. We believe anything is possible when we do it together. Not a joke. Think about it. Anything <laughs> is possible for us. There's nothing we've ever said. No, 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 no. We can't do that. He's crazy. Wow. Guys. Teleprompter one. What he was Biden talking, zero. remember the old case? The old KTEL commercial for the yeah. Bitest Record, would, mm -hmm. and it would just scroll all the songs. It was all like, not a joke. Oh, yeah. Also, <laughs> watch me. See his other song. Now, get two more albums. I, I, was, I, was waiting, I was waiting for the follow-up hits. Um, you know, your kids are doing their homework at the McDonald's uh, Wi-Fi. I love that one. <laughs> That's a good one, too. Holy moly. Oh. Boy, he is a marble mouth son of a gun, isn't he? I think I think Aunt Gloria just made her choice. <laughs> you know, I was I was I was just sitting here thinking. You know, it's just Honduras. shocking that these candidates don't want Biden to be on the stump with them. I just I wonder why. It's just so hard to figure out why they why they don't want to be there with Biden and give him give him a microphone. All right, live from Studio Six B. We'll wrap it up. Sports and news. Another LOL coming up.
Watch me. Glad you're in. We'll do some more sports and news here in a second. We have one more LOL of the day. Biden. Well, guess what? Lost again. Roll it, G. <laughs> you can go that way. Now, what's amazing about that clip is they look like they're at the White House. Yeah, it looks like the White House in the background, and he still can't find yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, it's not like someplace new. Right. Joe, it's, it's not, it's not like building. its description isn't in its name. <laughs> uh, Joe, we're going to go to the White House. You, you mean over here? I want to go over here. No, those are trees, Joe. Big arrows on the ground. Big <laughs> arrows on the ground. That's what they need with this guy. Wherever the guy goes, said, so. sir, you can go whichever way you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're the president. If you want to go climb the trees, Joe, go right ahead. Go ahead. Maybe you'll find right, Winnie the Pooh in there hiding some honey. <laughs> All right, let's do some sports and hear what that is. Slick Rick, Rick Emirati. How's, uh, how's the game going? Uh, well, halftime, 20 to 14. Bears with a late rally, scored 10 points in the last few minutes, and they now it's up 20 to 14 over the Patriots. Patriots did come back down 10 nothing, cut it to 10 to 7, went up 14, 14 10, and then now forget about it. Bears have just rallied, so we'll see. 20 to 14. Hopefully, we'll have Bill Ch- Belichick, the brilliant mind that he is, will make some great halftime adjustments, and they'll cover by 8.5. I'm sure he's worried about that. <laughs> but then we'll see what happens. Yep. So it's basically 28 and a half to 10 right now is what you're saying. Uh, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely in, in a problem. So let's get to UFC 280. Big D, I know you're a big fan. I'm sure you caught it. Good fight over the weekend. Lightweights. Islam Makashev uh, defeats Charles Olivier. Uh, this is Brett Okamoto of ESPN. Abu Dhabi, the United Arab Emirates. Ever since Habib Nurmagomedov retired from mixed martial arts two years ago as an undefeated champion, Islam Makashev's reclaiming that lightweight title felt like a pre- preordained moment. That moment came Saturday night. Makashev 23 and 1 sees the UFC's 150 pound, uh, 155 pound championship by submitting Charles Oliveira 33 and 9 at UFC 280 inside Etihad Arena. The, um, the f- finish came at 316 of the second round via arm triangle choke. Oliveira, who saw an 11 fight win streak, snapped. Tapped to the choke after he was dropped by a right hand. So that was a good fight. A lot of action. Good undercard as well. But that was the main event and a great fight in Abu Dhabi on Saturday night. I don't know, Big D, that was a good fight. Any comments on that? You got a chance to catch that? Uh, yeah, Oliveira is, I mean, so good. But Makachev is just a different level guy. He's a different level grappler. He's a, just, he's a different level striker too, by the way. He's, I mean, he's just all around. He's going to take on Volkanovski next, they think, in Australia, where Volkanovski's from. And he's, he's considered the pound-for-pound pound best, but I don't know. That's going to be some fight. This, 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 the, the, these kids, um, Makashev and the other one, I mean, they're just, they're just different level, man. Yeah. Different level. It was I mean, good, though. Good card. Great card. 
Good card. And uh, speaking of a good one, Carrie Lake on possible Super Bowl boycott. Woke football teams owned by billionaires will not dictate border policy. Republican Arizona gubernatorial uh, um, candidate said that she would not let the woke NFL dictate how she pushes her border policy. Um, she said that Carrie Lake made her declaration during a lengthy TV interview that covered a range of topics when asked if she would back down from declaring an invasion at the U.S. southern border if the NFL threatened to pull the 2023 Super Bowl from the state. Lake said that football teams owned by billionaires would not di- dictate our policy, citing the ongoing fentanyl crisis. Uh, do you want to tell me uh, that a bunch of football teams owned by billionaires are okay with fentanyl pouring across our borders at a record level, killing our young people, she said? The number one killer right now is fentanyl, 18 to 45. It's killing a generation of people. If the NFL is okay with that, then they got to do some soul searching. I don't think the NFL is that stupid. I really don't. We want to make sure that we're stopping, for cart- stopping the cartels. The people of Arizona is who I work for, and that's why I'm here with you today, she added. After explaining the severe damage that fentanyl has brought upon the nation. Lake said she would not take her marching orders from the NFL. I'm not going to be taking march orders from the NFL. I'm going to be taking march orders from the people of Arizona who are tired of their children getting their hands on the most deadly drug this country has ever seen. Uh, the NFL uh, moved the Super Bowl from Tempe, Arizona, way back when, to Pasadena, California for the 1993 game, uh, protesting of the state's refusal to recognize at that time Martin Luther King Jr. Day. More than 200 faith leaders have called upon the NFL to move the 20. 23 game out of the state due to its restrictive voting laws and attempts among Republican state legislators to overturn elections uh, results and consolidate power, according to the Independent. So Carrie Lake taking a strong stand. You know, of course, we love Carrie Lake. We hope she wins the governor. I think she will win as governor over there in Arizona. Hopefully they'll wake up there and she'll win that. But she's not taking any BS from the NFL. They want to move their Super Bowl. Hasta la vista. That's what she says. Good for her. And that's a wrap in sports, Big D. All right, Slick Rick, thanks very much. Let's do a little more news before we do a couple last things here. Paul Nolan, what else is going on in the news? Well, you know that I'll jump over to this story because it connects. Uh, Arizona will not require students to receive the COVID-19 vaccines in order to attend public schools in the state. The legislature announced in a statement, it said that clearly and explicitly state that COVID-19 vaccinations cannot be required for schools attendance in Arizona. As we know, the CDC committee... um, added the COVID-19 vaccine to the adult childhood immunization schedules. So um, glad to see uh, Arizona stand it up there as well, because that is just just psychotic. We cannot keep jamming more of this stuff into babies. We just got to stop. Yeah, and of course, this will be this would be the question that people like the governor of New York would be asked by Lee Zeldin if there was ever a debate on stage or Carrie Lake and Katie Hobbs and people like that. But again, you're not seeing these debates because they don't want to debate. These people don't want to debate because they can't stand on their issues. They can't stand on their policies. And as a matter of fact, most of them two weeks out now are trying to um, are trying to flip flip where they stand on these things. Lee Zeldin was asked about this. Cut 13. G, roll that. Now, if Kathy Hochul had accepted your invite for a debate and she was sitting next to me, it would be a fair question to ask her, why do you think that New York is leading the entire nation in population loss? Now, she couldn't finish that sentence. I would say that the reason why New York leads the entire nation in population loss is because they're hitting their breaking point. And they feel like their wallet, their safety, their freedom, the quality of their kids' education are under attack, and they're looking at other states. So you have to look at the economic burden. And part of that, too, is bringing down energy costs, reversing the state's ban on the safe extraction of natural gas, approving new pipeline applications that are up in Albany. As far as the business climate goes, stop picking winners and losers with these tax breaks. Uh, Instead, level the playing field. Yeah. Mm, Kathy Hochul wouldn't. Kathy Hochul wouldn't last in a debate with Lee Zeldin about four seconds before melting on the floor in a puddle of her own tears. She would be so embarrassed. 
which of course she knows. That's why she's not doing it. Same thing with Katie Hobbs and Carrie Lake. Same thing with Charlie Crist tonight. It's getting embarrassed at the hands of the governor of Florida. Just embarrassed because they can't stand on the policies. They can't talk about them. They can't defend them. They have no vision for the future. And they're only trying to be chameleons now because we're two weeks out and they know they're getting their ass kicked. Yeah, that's the yeah. bottom line. And they're using the uh, the Biden model of 2020 is to hide as much as possible. Don't talk to the press as much as possible. And uh, hopefully you can just skate by by people being uneducated about where today's Democratic Party actually stands on issues. All right, is this English? Let's see what Biden thinks on the midterms. Uh, roll that, G. And, uh, and I think that, uh, um, I, I just think it's, it's about, again, this notion of, of power and either, either lack of ignorance, I mean, lack of knowledge or power. <laughs> One of the two is the driving force, maybe both. But I, I don't know. Look, Jonathan, I think that this is not a referendum. This is a choice, a choice between what kind of country you want, between, for example, do you let us, do, 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 do you make sure that we're able to afford prescription drugs for people that are elderly? Do we have a circumstance where we're able to negotiate, Medicare is able to negotiate drug prices? Do we, are we in a position where, and you go down the list of all the issues that are out there. And, uh, and we know that, look, the Republicans have made it clear. First thing they want to do is they, a lot of, most of them voted against the the, the bill to reconstruct America through the infrastructure bill, highways, roads, you know, where <laughs> they all voted against to a person, voted against like, I gotta the go. Inflation Reduction Act, which provides for environmental security and safety. And I, mean, I, I, I just don't. <laughs> I, they, they, wow. As always, we salute our military, active and active police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, everybody on the front lines. Thanks, everybody, on the show. Thanks, G. Thanks, Fran. Most of all, thank you, the live from Studio 6B audience. We'll see you tomorrow night, 8 p.m., right here, Real America's Voice.